Hi, welcome to the Berry Nation podcast, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April. And I'm Jason. Today, we're welcoming, I think for the very first time, Berry Nation expert, friend, therapist, Katie Booker. Hello. We are so excited to talk to you today. Uh, the, 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 the top of mind conversation today really is going to be all about gratitude. Jason, Natalie, and I often talk about how we feel that we've gotten to this place along our bariatric journey where we're where we're grateful almost for for the disease. And we know that might sound a little bit a little bit odd, but there are so many good things that have come out of us kind of making the decision to 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 fight back against this disease. And when we were having this this conversation in Berry Nation, you were like, oh, I actually have a lot to add to that because there's a lot of work that we need to do to get to this kind of place of peace with who we were before surgery and who we are now. So if you are watching, if you're listening to this episode, that the goal is that you will leave here with a deeper understanding of who you were before surgery and why you chose to, to really onboard meaningful treatment and give us all a pathway to kind of get to this place of acceptance, peace, love, and gratitude when it comes to our disease and, and how we've chosen to, to treat it. So that's going to be like kind of the meat of the conversation. But before we dive in, I want to turn the mic over to you, Katie, to introduce yourself to people who maybe have never met you before. Sure. So my name is Katie Booker. I am a licensed clinical social worker in New York State. I have my own private practice. I uh, focus primarily on trauma and trauma resolution, but I also do the psychiatric evaluations for bariatric surgery because mine was so terrible. So I vowed that I was going to make something different. And I have, and I'm very happy about that. So yay. I am also an expert in Berry Nation. I run the coping skills group. And uh, I think that's it. Oh, and I'm a bariatric patient. That's probably important. I had surgery uh, two years ago, November 22nd. So I'm coming up on my two year surge anniversary, which is very exciting. That's right. That's huge. That's huge. Oh my gosh. I remember my two year. Jason, you remember your two year? I do indeed. It's it's, it's when hard. things oh it's where things um, get real rough. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did it in therapy this morning. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Then a time. Well, right. Oh man. Well, well, welcome to patienthood. Well, we are we're very grateful for you and your time today because we know how how important and, and meaningful this this conversation is. So if you guys are ready, I say let's just dive in. Let's go. All right. So Katie, we always kind of like to start start at the beginning, right? We we want to make sure that we're all speaking the same language. So as I kind of said earlier, right, Jason, Nat, and I often talk about how we're we're at this place where really we are really thankful for the disease of obesity. Sounds a little bit weird, but it's brought a lot of good into our lives and it's helped us uncover some things that we probably wouldn't have un- uncovered before. Um, but that also means we've had to get to the place to acknowledge that the person who we were before surgery was not a bad person. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how how do we do that work? How do we get there? That's adorable. I can help you with that. <laughs> so it's it can be a bit complicated. So please bear with me as we kind of go through this process. Um, it's the idea and understanding that we're very uh, complicated beings. We're very multifaceted. So you're not just April or just Jason. You have different aspects of yourself. You may have heard about the, um, it's like a, what do you call it? Like like the, like a hot topic or whatever that everyone's kind of talking about and like inner, inner child work, right? So this has kind of got the feel to that. So um, it is understanding though that you don't have to be grateful for the things that led you to obesity. Many times you hear people say that they're glad or grateful for the hard things that they went through. That can be true and it doesn't have to be. Um, I would have much rather not gone through my trauma that led me to obesity, understanding that obesity is a disease, but there's also behaviors that led me there. But the behaviors that led me there were my trauma, the trauma that I went through. Uh, I would have a different life. I'm, maybe I wouldn't have met my husband or had my children, but I certainly would have, wouldn't have wanted the trauma that I went through. So it's something to be grateful about the person that obesity created. 
you became someone who was incredibly adaptive. You were able to shift and pivot. You did the hard work to improve your situation, which is why you are where you are. It's not even necessarily because of your obesity, but who you are at the core led you to this adaptive place. So that way you can move forward and be okay. So with that being said, it's important again, to break down like the different parts of us, if that's okay. So, um, I'll use myself as an example. I do it all the time and it feels okay for me to share that. I have, and it's, it's important to also focus that it's not about like being multiple personalities. Like, um, who's that famous woman? It's not shepherd. You know what the name was? Sybil. That's the word I was looking for. Sybil. Like that is a legit diagnosis. And, but that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm talking about the fact that I have a part of me. That's a therapist, a part of me. That's a mom, a part of me. That's a wife, a part of me that gets angry. The part of me that's sad, the part that's oppositional, which is my favorite part of self, mind you. Um, the part of me that binge eats the part of me that is obese. We're and that is just nine of the hundreds, not hundreds, but nine of the the parts of myself that I have to grapple with on a regular basis. And sometimes those parts come forward and are more present. And sometimes they're kind of in the background. And when you look at obesity, it's important to see that that is, that's still a part that's inside you. So maybe you're not obese anymore, but there's that part that kind of lives inside that has always been and will continue to be. Um, And being able to heal that part is incredibly important. Hey, this is April, one of your hosts. If the Berry Nation podcast has made a positive impact on your life, become a supporter. For $5 a month, you can help us produce this podcast. Your support would mean the world to us. Visit us online at berrynationpodcast.com to learn more. Okay. So I just want to do a little bit backwards math here to say that I, to, to see if I understand it, Jason, you do, do, do this with me, please. So, um, so part of the reason that I think I turned to food is because I never felt like I really belonged. I always felt like an outsider and that sense of being an outsider contributed to this pull to find safety in food, which then triggers the disease. Correct. Yeah. So being able to look at obesity as a a protector, a nurturer, um, it was the ability for you to get your needs met and to be in survival mode. It was there to, to take over when others couldn't, whether it was another part of you or physical people in your life. So the way that for myself that I look at obesity, I was alone a lot. So you know, my parents worked very hard. I was a latchkey kid, but I was by myself all of the time. So that lonely part of me still lives inside and still needs to be literally fed. And so I use, I used food to be all of the things that Laura Grable was talked about. It's, you know, it's my companion and, and all of those pieces. Right. And so that part still lives inside that needs to get fed. And if I don't directly connect with them, then my behaviors of obesity are never going to be resolved. Because that person never goes away. Correct. You can, you can heal them. You can give them new jobs. You can um, provide them all the love and care that they need, but that doesn't mean you still don't need to keep a pulse and check in on them once in a while. Okay. Now this is starting to, this is starting to click in my brain. Because there are still times where I feel like I don't belong. I'm the odd man out. I don't fit in. And instead of feeding, for lack of a better word, instead of uh, assaging that part of me with food, I now am trying to care for it in different ways. Yes. So if I can provide a little bit more detail into that. So this is based off of a model that's called IFS. That is stands for internal family model. It's by, I have my book here, so I don't get it wrong. Um, Dr. Richard Swartz, he's the one who, you know, uh, I created the model and it's, it's understanding again, that we're very multifaceted and we're very complex. But when we look at different parts of us, there's three, there's three types. There are manager parts. There are firefighter parts. There are exile parts. What you're talking about, April, is when you think about that little girl that get, that's being activated, that's what we call an exile. 
those are often the youngest parts of us. They're the parts that hold on to the bad stuff. They're the mm. ones that the other parts of the system are afraid of that they're going to lose their shit and cause all of this chaos. So if an exile gets triggered, that's where a firefighter comes in. The best way to describe that is just as it sounds. A firefighter is going to take care of a fire and by any means necessary. So mm-hmm. if your exile is triggered and starts to lose their shit, the firefighter is going to come in like a pacifier. What do you need? You need some food? You need some alcohol? Here, take it. That's that's kind of how addiction and those kinds of things are developed. Right, because they're like putting out the fire, right? The yes. That firefighter knows you've, you've got some panic going on in here and it's going to yes. do four alarm fire, sending everything we possibly can to, to keep you... Yes. Okay. Yes, because okay. that part is reactive. That's a reactive so, part. Yeah. Okay. So Jason, when you think about this, can you identify, right, kind of that part of you that's still fighting with it? Yeah, 100%. Um, so, and I talked about this before in a previous episode, like kind of how I clicked in with when and where all of this happened for me. I, you know, much like Katie was a latchkey kid myself, and that was only after my mom had spent the first you know, nine years of my life being a stay at home mom and always being there for everything we needed. Well, then my dad left and she had to get to, uh, she had to go to work. So she, we went from having everything we needed to be in her being gone and us being latchkey kids and just me and my brother. And the only thing I could control at that time was food. That was it. I couldn't, I couldn't get my dad to stay. I couldn't get my family back together. So the only thing I could control was food. And we were lucky enough, fortunate enough to have an abundance of any food. We would like anything we wanted was bought in bulk because we were, we were fortunate that way. I just took that to excess and was able to, you know, sit in my bed and eat, you know, family sized bags of chips and and three liters of Coke and all the things, because that's what I, I could do that because there wasn't anybody there to tell me no. And it was the only thing that kept me company besides my brother. And, you know, my dad was gone and I could, you know, it, it legitimately filled or attempted to fill a hole that, you know, my father was gone. Okay. I have to jump in for a second. I was raising my hand. It's like we're in class. So Jason, what I what I hear though, is there's still a little bit of judgment that I hear in the, well, I did it to excess. This part of me just took over and I did all of these bad things. I would like for you to start to shift that. And when you think about that part of you, it's all about being able to find compassion and understanding and curiosity. So that part, that that little boy that probably still lives inside of you did everything it could to survive. It was trying to make sure that you were okay. And sometimes it's just that little bit of a shift that you can make in your thought process and that, that co- what we call a cognitive reframe uh, is that it, it was doing it because it that's what it needed to do to protect you. That's, that's, that's yeah. the work of understanding that internal part for you. Yeah, well, and, and the hardest thing was, and I didn't even catch it until uh, a few days ago, well, about a week ago, I guess, that once my father passed, it kind of all, he started trying to come back because mm-hmm. once again, my father was gone. My yeah. mom was, my mom's been gone for nine years, so she yeah. wasn't around again. So it put me back kind of in the same, the same setting all over again. So that's why I'm connecting a lot with all the things that Katie's been saying since we've been on here. I just yeah. hadn't said anything about it yet because it legit has just been kind of clicking it. I'm, I'm kind of building this plane as we're flying it here. Um, but it honestly legit like that's it's all it all came back. Uh, yeah, that I noticed about a week or so ago was that I kind of was back in that same situation where I'm like, well, shit, uh, this makes a lot of sense now. And that's that's the bitch part about being an obese person and the way that we've used food also because you think you dealt with that stuff, right? Like that's the other part of bariatric grief that we don't talk a lot about is like my mom passed away of, I don't know, 14 years ago. And this last year, I didn't even understand why. And it's because I wasn't using food. And now I actually had to regrieve the fact that she died 14 years ago. Right. So like you're having to regrieve the stuff that you thought you dealt with, but (laughs) just kidding. No, you didn't. What is so powerful about this conversation and Jason, thank you for, I mean, you always do, but I just have to say it. I, I, this is hard. Like this is hard work, but this conversation in the moment is actually showing people, showing our community 
what the work of weight loss surgery is. You have never given up trying to solve this equation, so to speak. And as soon as these things come back up again, and and I know because we, we've had this conversation, right? We can often get in this mindset of like, why am I dealing with this again? I thought I dealt with this, but we're at a different stage in our life and in our journey. And just because we understood how we were using food in that context in the past, we have to learn how we're going to use or not use it in the context here in the future. But the fact that you like actually cued into that, you would have never done that before. No, no not before. No. And I kind of likened it to like when you're unpacking boxes and you think you got everything, but then you go to throw the box away and you realize there's more shit in the box. Like that's, that's kind of how I likened it when I thought about it. Cause I was like, that's legit. Like you think you're doing all this work to unpack all these boxes and you go back and you're like, well, there's still stuff left in all these boxes. Man, I'd be a lot of stuff, but there's still stuff in there. You still have to deal with that stuff to break that box down. Oh my God. You would, you would, you would. He does this every time, every time he comes up with this perfect analogy, but that really is it. Right. When, when we, when we start doing the work of weight loss surgery, we think it's just the box on the surface. But then when we actually open the box, we realize, oh, there's more boxes and there's more things inside of this, which is why this work can be exhausting, can feel exhausting because it is. You're constantly unpacking these things until you really can get, get to the, the root of it. And Katie, just that little tiny shift in what in what you said, how you caught Jason saying, I ate two X, you know, the, you're right. There is that little piece of shame that goes to that, even though I think you've You've done a ton of work, Jason, to get to the point where you forgive, you accept, you understand why all these things happen. It's still there a little bit. Yeah. Right. And it's still that part that hears it and feels it. So even the tone of voice that you use or the way that you address it, that part of you is still like kind of crying inside a little. It's like, yeah, I did mess up. Oh, yeah. And like you can even notice you probably shift and like your body changes even when you think about it. And so the, the hard work in therapy with whether it's my, my own clients or my own therapy every Thursday, 10 AM um, is being able to, to try to find to connect with those really hurting parts and finding compassion and what do they need and how can I help you? And, 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 and. Hey, this is April. Jason, Nat and I love making this podcast for you each and every week, but we need your help to keep it going. Become a Berry Nation podcast supporter for $5 a month and help us produce this show. Visit us online at berrynationpodcast.com to join us. So can I, Jason, can I ask you this? And if you don't want to answer, I understand. When when you made this connection a week ago, what shifts did you make in your behavior, right? So so you realized you were going back to food to, right, to, to deal with this, this great sense of loss and abandonment but you've noticed it. So what have, have you, have you made different decisions or have you done different things? Yeah, I had to, it was kind of like the same in the same vein of like what I was talking about when I started to just go off the rails and say, fuck, it was kind of about the same time where I was like, fuck it. At least I'm getting a revision. So it doesn't matter now. I can just do whatever I want to until the time comes. And I had to kind of make those connections kind of came at the same time for me to just say, you know, that, that's ridiculous that you're even thinking this way and, you know, kind of re reframe it that way. Because if I go into prep for the revision that way, I'm going to come out the other side of the revision pissed that I can't still live that way. And I, because I know that my sleeve was not normal and the way that I've been living is abnormal. So the fact that I, if I, if I go into it that way, I'm going to come out the other side and the grief in the morning that I'm going to have over the fact that I can't do things the way that I'm, that I've been doing it is going to be monumental. And I'm going to have to deal with that as well as recuperating as well as everything else. And that's not something that I want to do. So I realized that I had to really start unpacking those boxes right now, because this is, while I didn't make any mistakes in my sleeve and kind of how the sleeve has, has done for me, I will make mistakes if I continue with my mindset the way that it is now. And if I don't make those changes, I will, I, I can potentially blow this next step for myself 
if I continue to go that way. And that's what I don't want to do. I would rather go into this as healthy as I possibly can mentally and physically so that, you know, this, this goes, you know, the best way it can possibly go for me. That's the whole part that we're talking about. So uh, there's a part of you that just wants to blow it out of the water and do whatever the hell you want. There's a part of you that knows that you're not supposed to and you got to do it the right way. There's another part over here. Like, that's exactly what we're talking about. And I would ask you to maybe take it to the next level, maybe not on Zoom in front of, you know, the entire universe. But when you're noticing even that rebellious part of you that just is fuck it. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want. How that to me, I hear a teenager, right? How old do you feel when you are accessed and when that part is so like upfront and present? And again, you don't have to answer that right now, but. Oh no, I'm an open book. I'll answer all that. Okay. Um, it's, it's probably between my probably 15 to 17 years. Cause that's when I was at my absolute, like worst of, as a person, like I, you couldn't tell me shit. I was 10 foot tall. I was bulletproof. It didn't matter what I could do, what it didn't matter to me. Like I, I could do no matter what you told me, no matter what you tried to warn me to do, I was going to do whatever I wanted to do. And nothing bad was ever going to happen to me. And the bad part, the crazy part about it is, is that I talk about this quite a bit. I haven't lived with obesity all my life. I was, I was kind of a, you know, chunky little kid and kind of did the grow up and out kind of thing. And once I got tall, I slimmed down. Like when I was in middle school and, and high school, I was six, three and weighed like 175. Like I was tiny. When I got married to Sarah in 2001, I weighed 225, 235. So, I mean, I was not a big person at that point. And it wasn't until 2007, I think it was that all my health problems kicked in and I gained, you know, 200 pounds. So, I mean, it wasn't like, or hundred, yeah, 180 pounds, whatever it was. So it wasn't like I, I've lived with it forever, but I have had parts in my life where I can really, really, really connect with, you know, and I can pinpoint pretty much all of them, but it's, it's one of those things where even at the, like the worst part of like, when I say 15 to 17 era, like I wasn't a big person then, but I had all of the, mentality of pushing, 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 just doing shit that I, that I knew was not good for me. And I just carried it on through when I did become, you know, a larger person. Uh, yes. And, it, and you don't, right. And you don't have to be obese. You had maybe obese behaviors, like you used yes. food in different ways, but you didn't gain weight. So you weren't technically obese, but you used it in a way that wasn't healthy and like right. was coping. Right. hundred percent. And then the other, um, the other part of that is understanding that obesity is also a result of trauma, right? And I know that's something that we've, I've, you know, I've spent a lot of time preaching about. And so as you've gone through harder and harder and harder things, study after study after study shows that that is a byproduct. Obesity is a byproduct of the really hard things. So it makes sense that as you grew older, that's kind of the trajectory that you went because hard things are hard and everybody goes through trauma and some trauma is really big and ugly and scary. Like the typical things that you would hear about and you can have trauma, but it doesn't have to be quote unquote that big. Your trauma is not bigger or worse or less than somebody else's. You still go through hard things and it's okay to say that was really hard for me. And that's really hard for people to accept sometimes because, well, I wasn't, I won't say, you know, fill in the blank, but that's okay. You still deserve to heal and be okay if those really yucky things happened because you're healing yourself. And, and that's where the obesity part comes in, right? That's where the protecting and the nurturing and the safety comes in because you couldn't get it in any other way. And now you get to heal and be okay. And like, tell that part of you that like, I'm, I'm okay now. Thank you. Like the compassion is so there and the, the softening that can happen with your system when you're able to have that true conversation with yourself. Well, it was prolonged trauma for me. Like it was like my, my father did leave, was gone, you know, had to deal with that. Then went to finally live with my father who married a woman who couldn't stand me or my brother. So she took it out on me and my brother every single day, all day, every day, like for 20 years. So legitimately it was like every day I had to fight like that. So the trauma was like reactivated almost every single day. There was a, a facet of it that came up in my life. Yep. And 
even now to this day, like I still think about it, it's very hard for me to process all the shit, you know, that I, that I went through. But at the same time, like, so that, that's kind of the way I look at, like you said, no better or worse than anybody else's, but the, the stretch of it is, is what's been so hard for me to kind of put that aside and keep going. Like I still live my life every day today better knowing that I don't ever have to deal with that again. And I, and I've kind of made like people, in the community have referred to me as the big brother of the community because I am very protective in the way that I don't want anybody to ever have to go through the shit that I went through. So that's why I am so overbearingly protective over everyone that means anything to me because I don't want those same types of things to happen because when I needed somebody to come to my rescue, nobody came. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, well, I will never let that happen again. So yes. that's why I, you know, and so that that's kind of the mindset that I've lived with since I kind of got out of all that. Yeah. And that's a trauma response. And I know this is not a trauma podcast and that will be for a different day, I'd imagine. But that that's a trauma response that you're you're experiencing. That's a part of you. That's a manager or a protector part that comes out that says we got to take care of everybody because nobody took care of us. So it at least make us feel good, even though there's still that inside part that's really hurting. So yeah. I, I encourage you to maybe open down, you know, open up that, that box or that road at some point to really go inward. And it's hard, it's hard, it's hard work, it's hard work, but it really can be such a payoff if you're willing to open it up and really see who's inside. I, uh, I, before I saw my bariatric therapist, I saw an addiction therapist for three years for, for food. And the work that I did with, with him was so surprising for me because what he, what he taught me, what, what he helped me learn, uh, was how to get to the point where I could accept and, and have compassion for the person that made the decisions that drove me to eat to access. And he also allowed me to get to a point where I, I don't forgive the harm that people have caused have have inflicted on me, but he at least got me to the place that I could understand why or understand from their perspective the anger and the and the hurt that they were experiencing. And when he gave me permission to understand, don't you don't have to forgive, but I just want you to be able to just for a a short time, see see maybe what they were seeing from their perspective when they were inflicting that that harm on you and then once i could see that it allowed me it really unlocked this compassionate gate not necessarily for them but it was really for me because it was like oh my god despite all of this i got through that you know and and i was able to survive and i was able to thrive so yes. despite, right, despite the disease being triggered, you know, despite size, despite health, you know, all the things that that went with my obesity, um, I was able to, to really create a beautiful life for myself and, and, and Grady and, and my friends and family, but dang, what it took to get there. I mean, it, it was like, you were dragging me through a forest of, of knives and axes, like absolutely no, under no circumstance uh, am I doing this. But I'm so thankful to have really done done that work. And I'm very thankful to look at pictures of my old self. And we, I know we talked about this before we, we hit record, but I can look at pictures of me from 10 years ago and I no longer see shame. I don't hate, I don't hate myself. I don't, I don't revolt. Um, I, I'm able to look at myself with, with some grace and and some compassion and just say you know what it 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 doesn't matter because i i i love you now even though i didn't love you then i love you now and i understand now why things happened the way that they did it's just it's this big release of of emotion and of shame and of guilt and of all this stuff i could just you know i i, I can just drop it and it's such it's such a freeing place, and that's why I am grateful for 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 this disease because it allowed me to get there to to get to where I am today. And there's several things that you said. Firstly, as far as like in a therapy session where you were talking about like that anger that you have, 
and then being able to find some clarity in a therapy session, I would ask the client, can that anger part of you step aside for just a second? So like you would like kind of sit internally, you know, this is, this is my, always my position. When I'm trying to do that kind of work, like hand on my chest and put some pressure on it. But like, then you like ask yourself, like, can, wait a minute, can that part step aside? Like, hold on a second. Like you can still be here. You can sit right next to me if you need to, but I need you to give me a little bit of space. And then that's where the hope is that you'll be able to find that compassion and understanding. Right. So most, there are really bad, awful people in the world, but most of the time, what people grapple with the most is that, um, well, I can't talk badly about fill in the blank. We'll just say mom and dad, because it's often the parents, right? Because it's always our fault as parents, because we mess up in whatever, which is fine. Um, they did the best that they could, and it wasn't enough. They, we knew that they did everything they could with what they had, and they didn't give me everything that I needed. They missed the mark on something. And so that's where this work and therapy and mindset stuff come together to be able to hold both, that you are still deserving of getting your needs met and they did everything that they could about it. And that's that's okay. It's about being able to find that middle ground. So that's one of the things that you'd mentioned that I wanted to just highlight super quickly. But then um, the, the other piece, is that the gratitude and the compassion that you can that you can hold for that for that part of you and all of the work that you did the ability to adapt and shift the way that you know all of us have done that's that's the gratitude that I'm hoping that everyone can walk away with you don't have to be grateful for being obese and what brought you there but you can absolutely be grateful for the person that you like the phoenix out of the ashes right like you're able to come through and it's not because of that bad stuff that happened but this is the kind of person that you've developed and you, you did that. You did that. No, nobody else mm-hmm. did that for you. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, the part that really um, was, was helpful for me. And I can't remember if you said this before or after we, we actually started hit recording. I'm never not going to be that person of 10 years ago. Yes. I'm always that person. And it's difficult sometimes I think in the bariatric community where people will tell us, or we might feel like, Oh, I'm a completely different person. I've never felt that I was a completely different person. I feel that I have more ability to authentically and and publicly maybe be the person who I've always been, but I am still that person. And because I, I guess, have very tightly connected my past and my present, there is no, you know, I'm not missing that, that link. And that's important because if I am not that person, I don't know who I am now. So I, I really appreciate just that that calling out of like, we are still always going to be that person. That person is never going away. We have to learn to acknowledge and and embrace who we were, because if we don't, we're not going to be able to embrace the, the person that we are now. Well, and we talked about it uh, when we started first kind of kicking this thought process around and even the the talking about being thankful for our obesity i really kind of started digging into it for myself and realized that i had to also become very grateful for mine because as i mentioned you know, i wasn't always you know i haven't lived with it all my life but i did realize that once i was living in that you know in my before body i took for granted mobility and you know, my health, my, all the things, my, you know, er, everything, my just, uh, there was so much I took for granted. Metabolic wellness was just not a thing. Like I didn't have to worry about any of that shit. And now all of a sudden here I'm faced with barely being able to walk, barely being able to move. Like there was times when I was way, like in the, in the 15 to 17 years I was talking about, I played basketball for 12 hours a day. I would just, me and my best friend would just play all day. Like all we did was play basketball for hours and hours and hours and hours. And then as I started getting older and things started, you know, we quit doing that. I just kind of quit moving, period. And I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I could do those things or couldn't do those things or didn't do, you know, some of the stuff. And then once I get to the point where I can't walk 10 feet without being out of breath and need to take a break, being on the other side of that now has, I, I connect my grateful side of that for reminding me how precious the gift of movement is, the ability to move is. The ability to go to the doctor and not need, you know, not have these comorbidities, not have all these problems. Like I didn't think about any of that, but knowing now as I'm older and I have, you know, 
grandkids and things I want to see grow and, you know, get older. And I'm like, I, there was a, a extreme possibility that that wasn't going to happen. And I, you know, that's where my gratefulness ties into all that because I, I wouldn't have had, I, I don't think I would have connected any of those dots before. I mean, it's, it's why you continue to pursue ways to treat your disease. You're going in for a revision here in just a few weeks and you're doing so because you you started to lose some of the the mobility that you gained and you realized the disease was very present again in your life and it was time to onboard more treatment we if you didn't love yourself and if you weren't really tapping into to who you know you are that would have been a i think a more difficult decision for you you could have just said like oh i've failed i've done this right you could have just me 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 but the work that you've been doing is really helping you understand this is a lifelong and chronic disease. You've done nothing wrong. You need more treatment and you're going to continue to pursue that treatment in any way you can. And there was a hot minute, Jason, that you were doing that though, right? Like even in the, because the podcasts are like my safety blankets and I listen to them all the time. And so there was, you know, there's been, I yell at you all the time in my car, guys. I'm not kidding. So like, that's something that you, that you've done though. Like you have, publicly. And that's why I bring up because it's something that you publicly shared. There have been parts of you that said, I'm so awful and I'm terrible. And I guess this is my only choice because I'm a this. I'm a... Those are all different parts of you that are fighting for control over explaining the situation away. Oh yeah. No, I definitely told myself that I didn't deserve revision, that I didn't deserve another way out, that I had the opportunity and that I was just going to live the way I am now because I don't hurt as bad. I'm not as sick as I was. I can still move and not really, you know, be as out of breath. I can still do a lot of things that I couldn't do before. So just be happy with what you got, because then I started feeling like I was greedy and I wanted more and it wasn't enough. Oh, I didn't lose enough weight. Well, guess what? 120 pounds is still 120 pounds. Be thankful for that. You know, you can, you can walk, you know, I did a 5k and didn't die. Like, guess what? I, that's movement. And get, you know, I, I really was struggling with myself saying that I didn't deserve to have anything more than what I've already had. And that, you know, there's people out there that can't have revision. So why should I get to have one? I, yeah, th this has been a, a hamster wheel for me that I'm, will be grateful to get off of because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm physically just tired of, of going back and forth with myself over what, you know, what I deserve. So. It's hard shit, buddy. And bravo, though, honestly, like the fact that you are so open about it and you're willing to share. Um, I'm really grateful because I take so much away from all of the conversations you all have. Yeah, I I feel like I because I, you know, April, I, I talked to April and them about it, too. Like I struggled with even talking about it. But the second that I opened up and talked about it, the flood of messages I got and am still getting to this. I got one today. The flood of messages I'm getting to people telling me how thankful they are that I said something about it because that made them rethink their position and their decision and their, you know, their worth and their ability and all these things. I I can't not talk about it now. Like I have to be as that's why I say I'm an open book and I'll talk about anything because the amount of people that I've had reach out to me, it just proves that I, I need to talk more about it. Yeah. Just like in well, school, there's no stupid question, right? Like there's no there's there's nothing that nobody can't resonate with. Right. No. Well, and we we say this all the time, this is probably broken record, but the power of this of these conversations is the the self-realization that we have when we just speak what we're holding in here out publicly. I know Jason, you were terrified to to really tell Nat and I what was going on with you. And we were relentless with you in, in like a kind way. We were like, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. And he would tell us something and Nat and I's bullshit meters would be like, mm, no, that's not it. And we we just kept going. But I think Nat, Nat and I have maybe just a little bit more practice and which is crazy for me to say, like, who am I the one? I'm the one that doesn't have tear ducts, but I have really come to learn I know, I, I, right? I, I really come to learn that, and it really is because of, it's because of the community. It's, it's because of Berry Nation. If I keep what's in here, in here, it is going to destroy me. It will absolutely destroy me. But I am that old, that tiny, teeny, tiny girl that's worried about being 
othered or the strange one or the weird one does everything it possibly can do to keep it in here, right? Because my old, my teeny tiny self was like, nope, they're going to think you're weird. Like you wore Superman pajamas, they're going to think you're weird. So I'm not going to share anything, but that is what also feeds my disease of obesity. Yeah. And when, and when I move that out, when I just in a safe place, right there are not, I'm not going to blast it on all the places, but I, I go to, I go to support groups in Fairy Nation. I go to classes, I go to meetups, I find my safe place and I find my moment and I move it out. And to have this place where I can just put it and know that it isn't going to go anywhere. It's not going to be met with shame or judgment. It's just this very safe place for me to very gently just, there it is. And every time I do that and I step away, I, it's, it's, I can see it in my mind. People just look at it and then they look at me. Mm, okay. And you're like, you're, you're cool with that? Like, did you see the bomb that I just like dropped here? Like nobody's running away from it. And it's just like, oh, I could take a breath. Yeah. And then the next step of that is once you've been able to identify, right, it's kind of like a snow globe that's been all shaken up. And now it's like the, the whatever gets to settle. And that is an opportunity when you do have that safe place to the crazy part is that the healing all comes from within us. You don't need it from anybody else. Although sometimes we need validation to make sure that they still love and care about us. But if you recognize that little person who is wearing the Superman pajamas, you can take a moment to allow your, your most present adult self to go to her and to sit with her and be like, you're okay. We're going to be okay. I know it feels strange and uh, weird is amazing or wh whatever words fit best when you try to sit and meet with her, because you may put her out on the shelf for a hot minute, but she's screaming for you to pay attention to her. And so you mm -hmm. have to be able to take her back off the shelf and give her the attention that she's looking for. Cause when you ignore a child or a teenager, they get louder and louder and louder. So that, and that's like, that's the therapy part, right? Like you have to be able to, right. not only can you acknowledge that part, but you have to, you have to heal it. You have to let them know that they're seen and heard and loved and that you have always been with them. And yeah, sorry, I'm on therapist mode. Nope. Well, I mean, but again, we, we, we talked about this, but I think before we hit record, right. So many people experience regain above and beyond the, the, the medical, like everybody is going to get that 10, 20% bounce, right? That is that is just factual. But above and beyond that, so many people experience regain. And it's because of exactly what we're talking about. I mean, Jason, you you did it perfectly, right? I had this little blip. I'm like, oh no, I'm just I'm not doing anything anymore. You just go right back to it. Instead of doing this work, we just go back to what what we know and how we used to soothe. Yes. Yeah. And there's one thing that I wanted to go back to, Jason, you go. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, it feels, it, it's so crazy that something that feels so freeing to just abandon it all is really so heavy because the weight that it puts back on. Like, you feel like this is huge weight lifted off your shoulders because you're like, ah, I'm not under the burden of having to be a bariatric patient anymore. I can do whatever. Woo! And then the next thing you know, you're like, your body just is so heavy because everything comes back. And you're just like, oh, shit, now my knees hurt again. My back hurts again. My hips hurt again. Like, this sucks. But I swear to God, I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day. That's how you know you are really on the precipice of committing to your bariatric life. Because when you when you really do say, fuck it, I ain't doing any, I'm not bariatric anymore. And you go back to your old behaviors, your old thoughts and your old actions. And you start doing them for a little bit. And, and the moment hits you and you go, wait a minute, this isn't what I remember. This is not as soothing. This doesn't feel good. Something feels off. It is when, when that moment in my journey hit me, I felt like I had been transported to like the dune planet. It was like, I don't know where I am. Nothing. I don't know it. Where am I? Because what I used to know is not true anymore. I don't know what's lying ahead of me. You just feel so utterly alone and lost. And it's that moment where as patients, it, it, it really is this commitment moment. It's like, okay, I can either go back to, to this life because I, I know this life. It's not going to be as fulfilling because I'm doing it now and it's just not doing it. Or you make the commitment to 
to your bariatric life and to treating the disease for your rest of your life and doing the work, even though you don't know exactly what's ahead of you, that is not as scary as going back to, to that. That, that was my, that was my decision point moment. And I hear and see and talk to so many people who have this exact same epiphany. And I think you had it too, Jason, when you made the decision to, to, to do revision, right? It's, I, it's just, it's a rite of passage for patients. Everybody gets there. Well, and it's eye rolling. I don't want to do it. Like it's, it's so, it's just so, it's so hard. Like, do you ever get out of commitment stage? Cause I feel like I'm going to be in it until I'm dead. Like always having to choose bariatrics every single day. And I want to do it anymore. So Katie, I'm going to send you a beautiful graphic that we have. Yeah. Jason's already laughing because he knows. So, right. So there's all these stages, right? There's like, there's the pre-op stages and then there's very beginner, the honeymoon, yeah. then there's the commitment. Yes. And there's life and maintenance and automation, That's but adorable. here's right. It, it's adorable. And it looks so great. These beautiful little stairs, but what the graphic shows is between commitment, life and maintenance and automation is this hamster wheel of like, Oh, I'm going to go up and then I'm going to fall back down. And, and that is actually bariatric life. You have to recommit because think about it as the disease progresses, you're going to need more treatments. It, it's not a, it's not a, if it's when, when my disease progresses, then I need to onboard more treatments, which means I have to understand how to live my life with these treatments. Life continues to life. We got a lot of bad stuff ahead. We got a lot of good stuff ahead, right? Like, so every time we reach this new level, we're going to kind of fall back down. And now we're recommitting to figuring that, figuring this out. Now, granted, we have the honor of knowing plenty of OG veteran bariatric patients, right? 10, 15, 20 years. And they all say that that is how this works. But every time they notice they're back where they're back in the commitment, they're like, oh, okay, nope, I, I've been here before. You can gather yourself more quickly. You can identify your pathways and you move forward. It's just a little bit more efficient. Right. Yeah. And I think, was it Natalie who said like, um, choose your hard. I forget who it was, but like both lives were hard and which choice are you going to make? And the one thing that I do a lot of the time is, uh, being an EMDR therapist and, and doing that kind of work. I will often ask clients to visualize what is the worst case scenario. So if you did not continue with bariatrics and you just went ham on <laughs> figuratively and metaphorically, um, uh, what would that look like? And I have that image. I have that image in my head of my worst case scenario is that my husband has to clean my body because I can't do it myself. And if I remember that I use that all the time, because I don't want the fireman to have to knock my wall down to get me out of my house. That is my worst case scenario. And I always revert back to that in my head. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I liken the, the commitment and all those stages, the, the upper stages to like, you see those people in the video where the treadmill is too close to the wall and they fall and they can't get it. They can't shoot off the end of the treadmill and they can't yeah. stand back up again. So they just roll. Like that's kind of what those three. <laughs> so as you're trying to get back up and it just kind of knocks you down, you just kind of roll again. Like that's, that's pretty much what that is. Uh, absolutely. Right. And there was just one other thing that I wanted to return to because I feel really passionate about it. Um, and I, we talked about it briefly too, before we clicked on, but when we were at retreat and everyone was doing their fashion show and, uh, they had the, on the screen, they had before pictures, some of the participants in all of their beautifulness would stop and look at themselves and you could see the disgust that was there. Like, Oh, like, who is that? And my heart just ached. Like I really could have like shed tears as I sat there because, that's the idea of being grateful and compassionate for that person. So we talked about like, you know, and I, I argue with Natalie in my head sometimes <laughs> because she has that, if the old person, if you don't show up, the old person will, that old per that, that old version of you is still there. And the, the shame and guilt that person feels every time that you roll your eyes at a picture that I recently posted on social media a video because I got triggered by um, uh, by a, a social media person where they were doing their before and afters. And uh, 
it, it just felt so uh, negative. They were talking about their self that started at a specific weight, which was at the weight that I'm at now. And so if that person's so bad, then what am I? And it was very, um, it was very impactful for me. So I've always tried to caution, like when you do side-by-sides and face-to-faces in those Transformation Tuesdays, be kind. not only do you need to be kind to yourself because that's still a part of you, like that obese person still lives inside and, uh, you know, we're, we're all watching and you're talking to, and I, and I know that it's a me problem. Like I know that that is a trigger for me and my trauma and my trauma responses and be kind to me because, you know, I'm, I'm 240 pounds. I've gained 10 pounds since I had a hysterectomy and it's been really hard. And so that's always something that I really hope that people take away that you can, you can be kind to that person that you, that you were because they're still there. I very much, we very much appreciate you, you saying that. And these are all, this is the mindset shift that, that, that we're hoping we can all focus on this, this season and really for the rest of our lives. How, how can we look at our, our old self with kinder eyes, right? Or a gentler heart or a a sense of compassion, or even just understanding because just like what you said, talking down to the person that we were is still talking down to to ourselves. Yes. We are that person still. Yes. And and really I think that right that is what this conversation is kind of all about is we we are the same person. We I'm still the 326 pound April. Uh I'm the 180 pound April. I'm every April in between that's ever been. And I'm two-year-old April. Um, So being more aware of how I'm talking to myself at all of those stages in every moment is, is important. And it is hard work to catch it, check it, change it as, as Laura would say, but that is the work of weight loss surgery. And that is how we get to, to a point where, where we can be grateful for, um, for where we are today, acknowledge the things that we went through to, to get here and and to treat our entire life experience with a little bit more compassion. 100%. Oh my gosh. All right. As always this conversation leaves us mind blown with a lot to a lot to think about in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Katie, is there is there one thing that you really want to make sure um our listeners, our watchers, our friends, our followers are leaving this conversation with today? Aside from what I just mentioned about being um, as kind as you can to yourself. It's also trying to use as, um, and actually Laura mentioned it on the podcast episode <laughs> yesterday, that about finding curiosity and trying to find um, non-judgment. So your, your, your sense of self and all of your parts can sense it when you're being judgmental. As an example, uh, I've worked very hard to try to find a phrase when it comes to eating that I can say to myself, or maybe my partner can say, so then that way I don't feel um, judged and whatever when it comes to food. And so if I, my phrase is, are you sure? And the tone and the way, the softening of my voice and the way that my face is, am I sure? And sometimes the answer is, yeah, I am absolutely sure. And I'm going to do whatever food choice is there. But, you know, if you like, are you sure you're going to eat that? And like, if, if like even to shift the tone of voice, the judgment is there. And then that oppositional side of me says, fuck you. Absolutely. I'm going to do that. So trying to find the compassion and curiosity and like, why, what's, what is going on? Hold on a second. That, that is the best thing that I could hope that people would take away from this. I hope that makes sense. It, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Katie, thank you for joining us. This has been awesome. Just amazing. I have one more thing. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, so I wanted to, because we're focusing on gratitude, I wrote a thing. So if I look away, it's because I wrote it out. So don't mind me. Okay. Because um, uh, I wanted to express my deepest love and gratitude for the community that you all have built. 
So around nine months post-op, I was struggling so badly and I didn't know what to do. I went to my PCP's office and I just, I just cried and he did not know how to help me. He wanted to, like, I could sense it. Like he was like, I wish I knew what you were talking about, but he, he had no idea. Um, somehow I stumbled across the podcast. I, I don't know. And then I found the membership community that I enrolled in and I don't know where I would be without the support and the nation that you've created. And I say that with all of, I could cry, I'm trying not to, with all the love in my heart. Um, and it's not just the support and the fact that I get to, like, the, I stalked you for a hot minute. I think I told you that, like, mm, I was in the background for a minute and I crafted some messages and I like deleted them and stuff. <laughs> and uh, the, the fact that you allow me to be a part not only like obviously allow me to be a part of the nation, but I get to be an expert that is so in incredibly um, healing just in itself for, for me. Um, but it's also the knowledge that I gained. No doctor ever told me that my obesity was a disease. I learned that from you all. I truly did. And without that gift, I don't know. I truly don't know where I would be. And I know I mentioned already, like the podcast is the safety blanket that I snuggle with every Wednesday. Uh, I was very upset because my Google podcast and I was like, where is it? It's Wednesday. And so then I had to go to YouTube and I was driving and I had to pull over and it was a hot mess. Um, and then sometimes I re-listen to stuff all the time. And that's when I yell at you a lot, to be super honest. Like Jason, I knew you were going to have a revision months ago. I'm telling you, I already knew it. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to send nothing but love and gratitude because it truly has saved my journey. I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Katie. We yeah. um we 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 created what what we needed, and turns out a a lot of us need it too. And the one of the many magical reasons I'm so thankful for Berry Nation is because it's a place that I get to shine as. As somebody that wants to help the community, but it's also the place that I just get to go be a patient. Yep. And and, and get the support that I need. Yep. Every week. And you you just find your the right space. And I'm in the absolute right space for me. And if I didn't have it, I would be, I don't, I don't even know where I would be. So thank you, truly. Well, and there's, you know, so many people may feel like it sounds like a broken record it's something that we just say but when i when i say that you know you guys have helped us just as much as we've ever helped you guys that's a thousand percent true and it yep. happens every day in the nation when we're in there doing all the supports the groups the meetings the the hangouts the everything like all of that it it's it's so therapeutic in so many ways like april said we get to be patients like we get past the, oh my God, you're April, you're Jason, you're Natalie, you're here, you're in the flight, like you're in the class with us. And nobody, like they don't do that. We just get to be us. Yeah. Like we get to log into a Zoom and, and just be Jason. No Barry Nation, no the Smithsonian, no, no, it's just, I'm just Jason in class with everybody else. Yeah. Well, it's, it really is the place where we all get to shine. Katie, your, your expertise in, in Barry Nation is is unmatched. Your your coping skills classes are always so highly attended. People speak so highly of them, right? It it really is the place where we can connect, learn, and grow from one another and the experts. And we we say it all the time, but but when we when we really band together as a nation, really great things happen. And and we are on a mission to connect people just like you, if you're listening or you're watching, with the help, the support, the tools, the resources, and most importantly, the community that you need to find personal wellness. It's not what I think you need, Jason. It's not even what Katie thinks you need. It's what you know in your heart you need as, as a patient. And you have the, the safe place to, to take it all in and to really be the expert in, in your own patient experience. It's it's pretty magical, but it's because of people like you, Katie, that believe in it, that that it's, it's doing its thing. So thank you. Welcome. I will sing it from the rooftops. <laughs> Always. Let's do it. Let's go. We, we need a tour. <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'll post something later. <laughs> Katie, my friend, where can people find and follow you? Uh, that I just have a personal Instagram page. That is the at Katie underscore B dot RNY. Um, it is a public page and I just post all of my bariatric bullshit. So if you want to join, please feel free. 
It's rad. And you can become a member of the Berry Nation support community and oh, take yeah. Katie's classes and support groups. Uh, yeah, coping skills uh, this Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, bariatric boundaries for the holidays. What? Perfect right. timing. Perfect timing. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Thank you again, Katie. We very much appreciate your time and expertise. My pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Yes, Katie, it was a pleasure spending time with you today. We uh, we, we always look forward to getting this to, to hang out with you. Uh, to the community at large, just like I just said, we thank you guys enough because without you guys, we couldn't do what we do and helping you guys helps us tremendously every single time. Um, thanks for the likes, the shares, the subscribes. And just remember you guys can rate us on your favorite podcast players as well as the YouTube channel. Uh, and you can leave us voice messages on the what is now the Spotify app that we can add into future episodes of the podcast because it's just another way that we get to highlight this amazing community. And we always love to do that. And just remember at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you, and we'll see you next time. Bye, friends. Bye, everybody.